Hey, it's Games, Grit, and Gratitude, Real Talk with Jean Leggett. Hey, it's Jean and Roger. We are back at it with episode five. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am pumped. Roger? I am pumped. I am pumped pumped to be here. I'm excited to be here. Oh, we just, we can't help but smile and laugh. We had a little laughter session before we got going (laughs) with the episode and, you know, just shake off living in Corona times. And um, yeah, and we just want to say, you know, thank you for those of you who have been kindly listening to the episodes. We've got some really great things ahead for you in this episode. We've had some lovely comments on Twitter. Paul Unger, I'm going to give you a shout out. Paul is a game dev up in Sudbury. He's also a friend of mine, but that's not why he's saying nice things. Uh, he has said, you and Roger have been absolutely slaying it, and that it's really easy to get bogged down with negativity and game dev, but this show has been a delightful ray of positivity. So that's a shout out Aww. for you, Paul. And I've had like some really lovely comments and emails from friends and and from like prospective clients that are just they're listening and going i really like the vibe of this oh, show that's so nice yeah that, it is super nice yeah. when you shared that with me earlier this week i was like oh that, that made my I day no i feel the same way it it's it's not about the number of downloads that we get to be honest i mean i enjoy doing this with you and and i enjoy the clarity that it's been bringing to my own thought process as we go through some of this the subject matter that we're discussing but if it's been of value to you and you would like to say thank you to us for this podcast i would really appreciate it if you would go and leave us an itunes review not just the little five star button there because hey i appreciate five stars but a review really helps us get discovered, and wouldn't it be nice if more people could discover the charm and quaintness of Roger and Jean, <laughs> Jean and Roger, and Game's Great yeah. Gratitude. So, enough of that self-promotion. Let us dive into this week's episode. Yeah. So, I know we kind of set this up last episode, right? But do you have a title for this episode now? I do! A stroke of genius, if I do say so myself, Roger. Yeah. Are you prepared? Are you ready? (laughs) I am ready. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Minimum viable team. What? What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, we almost went with the title of Hacker and Hustler, but minimum viable (laughs) team. I really wanted to get some clarity and share a little bit about the founding membership of the company that we founded and some of the things that people need to think about when they're starting their own team. And so let's talk a little bit about that. Minimum Viable Team is made up of three delightful components. Notice I said components and not people because Mm. sometimes it's a solo endeavor, (laughs) but you need a hacker, a hipster, and a hustler. Nice. So, for somebody that doesn't know what those terms mean, what what does that mean? Well, a hacker is somebody, think about it this way, that's, that's your code monkey, that's your engineer, that's your developer, that's the person that's putting the nuts and bolts together of whatever it is that you're doing, right? Okay. It's, yep. It has their hands on the project and is able to take... The vision of the hipster, I don't even know if I like that term hipster, but that's just like hacker, hacker, Mm. hustler, hipster. That's the terminology that they use in Silicon Valley in the startup space. But a hipster 
is somebody that has the, the vision and the design and the user experience. So they're the, the connection between somebody's idea and a customer experience and says, Hey, I have something that is valuable. They pass mm. that off to the hacker. Now you can build the greatest thing in the whole wide world, folks. <laughs> but if no one knows about it, ain't nobody going to buy it. Yeah. So you absolutely do need to have the hustler. Uh, and I hate the term growth hacker with all the, the, the trillions of cells in my body. As soon as I heard it, I went, <laughs> so don't yeah. edit my little fake vomit sound out, Roger, because it is appropriate. <laughs> but the hustler is the person that is supposed to handle the marketing and the business and get eyeballs and get people excited and, and also shape some of that external branding piece that we've been talking about all last, uh, last two episodes. Mm -hmm. So we often have referred to Blair and I as the hacker and the hustler. Yeah. Didn't really have the hipster because the two of us, there were the elements of each of us that brought the hipster in. Okay. Um, so you can have an, a minimum viable team of two people you can also all three of those things can exist in one person. Obviously, it's nice if you have people that can come in and complement your skills. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So so I mean, that's a really good point that you made there. Because yes, you have these three, you know, these three terms, right? These three functions, but it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you ha it's only limited to three people. It doesn't necessarily mean that, like you just said, that you'll have, uh, you know, a team of three people. You could have a team of two or a team of one, but yeah, it's just going to take up more of your time, right? Yeah. And, you know, when I went and did a, a quick Google search just to sort of see how other people were defining hack and hustler, I found this really great infographic, which is basically where minimum viable team came from. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to appropriate this from the internet. Mm. And they further break down the hacker is the one that builds functional prototypes. Okay. The hipster is the one that improves the user experience so people will convert. Why do we need conversions, people? Because we need money. Money yeah. is not a dirty thing. Money is required for us to live in houses and eat groceries. And your hustler is meant to scale customer acquisition for distribution. Okay. So yeah. I want you to, to think about that in um as the three functions i like that you put it that way roger the three functions of a minimum viable team so yeah yeah and um i mean i know that we talked a lot about um you know the hustler and in the last couple episodes really that's been focused around uh, the hustler the, that that aspect um but this episode is going to be about building your team right mm -hmm. and so and and those roles, and when you're starting off your team, thinking about uh, what what you're looking for in a team and a team member. So let's start there. Let's talk about found your your founding team. So when you start off, <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of people fall into this trap, right? Because I and I don't think it's just for game dev. I think this is for for just like any kind of business. When you start off something, you usually tap your friends or your friends want to be involved. They're like, Oh, can I help you with that? Right. And 
sometimes they might not be the right <laughs> the right <laughs> right picks, right? So my questions to you is who should you include, who you shouldn't include, uh, and then tell us about your founding team uh and and what you started with. Sure. Well, I, I think that thinking about your team from a space of what's missing. So if you start off as a solo person with this idea, you need to identify, are you the hacker, the hipster, the hustler? Mm. What are, what are the functions that you are missing in order to be able to scale this thing? If we're talking about game dev, if you are a programmer and you want to make a game, well, either you're going to have programmer art. Yeah. <laughs> Which we have all seen is not a very attractive thing. <laughs> and I still tease Blair about his programmer art. You are probably going to need an artist. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to need a writer. So in, in terms of like an actual game project, you need to be able to fill the other core competencies sure. in order to be able to create a fuller experience. Eventually, you're going to need to bring in people to do QA. You're going to need people to do the marketing and you're also, please don't ever forget the community people because they are gods. Yeah. They are gods. Imagine if we had a community person, Roger. That would be I know. amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Maybe, maybe that's, that should be my next thing. I should hire a hustler for the hustler. Yeah. And that could for be a book. us, yeah. And like people you shouldn't include. So <laughs> I, I want to talk like this is sort of like off topic, but not. I sometimes hear about these ridiculous. Re- ridiculously overfunded game development studios. Mm. And I have to wonder, this is my crazy wild conspiracy theory. We all know about money laundering. We see these empty restaurants that sit there and like, how are they there for five years? Like what's going on here? I'm like, that's a front, that's a front for some mob money. And it would not surprise me at all. If there are game studios out there that have learned how to, um, create opportunities for legitimate money laundering. Mm. Right. And so what happens is people get hired, they get paid ridiculous salaries and they're just, they're on the payroll. They're on the payroll and they just skim it back and it's a money laundering fund. I know it doesn't really have a place in this episode, but you should not include shitty people. (laughs) Should not include any gangsters or (laughs) mafia in your founding team. So who should you include? Well, I think the thing that a lot of people go into games with is, I want to make games. And they're not Mm. thinking about the business thing. Yeah. Here's the thing, folks. And I know because I get these comments, they're like, I'm nodding my head or I'm screaming at myself in the car because Gene's right. You should really treat this founding team as a as a long-term relationship. Okay. Right? These are the people, the same thing when you get into when you get into a relationship with a, a VC or a publisher, these are people you're going to be stuck with, married to, whatever analogy you want to use, you are bonded mm. for quite a while. And yeah. so you really want to think about can I work with this person? Do they, do they complement? So, so do they complement the skill deficit? Do they add to the team? Do they help shape the team's vision, mission, and values? Like we spent so much time in the last two episodes talking about mission, vision, and values. Yeah. 
When you're bringing people on, you want to make sure that they're in alignment with that, because especially at the early stages of your founding team, because you don't want to bring people on that are antithetical to your vision. Yeah. Now, I'll share with you that when when we got started, it really was Blair was the the sole, you know, OMSG, like here's this the software engineer, he had this idea, he brought on a couple of co-ops. And I was like, okay, the the financial risk is pretty low. I'm not I'm not adverse to some risk, whatever. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um and and just so you know, listeners, if you haven't listened to all the episodes, I talk about privilege in multiple episodes so far. So that's just me being flip. So he decided he wanted to have some interns. We brought on some interns from the college. And at some point, we had interns that were with us for about a year and a half on and mm. off through their co-ops. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I also want to share a little bit of a backstory on that because these were co-ops from Georgian College. We had five in the first term and they were getting actual hands-on experience developing back-end and front-end solutions for our games platform. Wow. Unlike a lot of co-op experiences where you go and you're installing antivirus software and they call that a programming co-op <laughs> or you're fixing the freaking photocopier, uh, they, they were actually getting live coding experience and it was, it was incredible. And so many of them continued to come back from multiple unpaid. None of us were being paid multiple yeah. unpaid internships. And so that was super exciting that they were part of it. And we, we made, we made legal agreements that said, Hey, if we ever made it rich from this company, you will all be compensated for your time. Sure. And we also gave some of them equity in our company if they had been with us for a particular length of time. So okay. there are, I believe, uh, four or five, I think it's five, five people who stayed with us for a very prolonged period of time. Now we've been around since uh, 2013, incorporated in 2014, well, 13, late, late 13. So, you know, we've been around for quite a while. We've Blair and I have done a lot of the work ourselves, but we also wanted to really acknowledge the contributions that they had made. Sure. Now it says in a letter somewhere that they are considered founders of our company. But I also think that to the external world, it's Blair and Jean Leggett. Sure. Right. They were, mm -hmm. they were early members. So that's something that I want to encourage people to think about. Sometimes when you get your startup or your games company up and running, your project or company may go on for an extended period of time and those people aren't going to be around anymore. Mm. So how do you acknowledge them appropriately? Yeah. Um, and, and what are your obligations to those people? Yeah, and that makes sense because I was going to ask that question that when you have interns working for you, I mean, they're not going to be there forever unless no. you say, hey, we can, we made it now. We can kind of bring you on at full board as, yeah. you know, a member, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's a really good point. Um, and also, I mean, not only are you giving them experience, which you did, right? Obviously, awesome mm -hmm. experience. 
<laughs> I mean, it's also very cost effective too, right? <laughs> well, when there's no money, there's no money to share. That's uh, right. I, I fed them. I fed them very well. Okay. We had right. we had a nice office. We there were there were some people who had um, like we were living off of our credit cards at that point, and mm. uh, gosh, I think I spoke about it in one episode where. I didn't touch any of the friends and family money until we had 49 cents in our bank account because we just, mm. everything we ran up on credit cards and uh, it was, it was pretty insane, but we would still make sure that if anyone of our team needed groceries or something like that, I would be like, well, we're going to the grocery store. Like, let me, let me just throw it on the credit card. Like who cares? Sure. We'll deal with us later. Yeah. I wish we had the ability to pay them more, but we did take care of them in many other ways with the, and I know people are going to like, one of the reasons why I don't talk about this on, actually, I don't think I've ever talked about this is because there are people who have very strong feelings about unpaid internships. Yeah. And they also have very strong feelings about this idea of studio as family. And this was the first time Blair and I have ever started a business and I don't know, listeners, maybe you have a sense or from my social media profile. It's not even a brand. It's just who I am that has turned into a brand. I care deeply about people. Mm-hmm. And that's how we ran our studio. We ran it not like a dysfunctional family, but we ran it as though this was a safe place for you to be included and nurtured and encouraged to take breaks. I think Blair only did crunch for one week because he wanted them to have a taste for it. And we were like, no, no, thanks. Mm. (laughs) Um, And, and I think sometimes the lesson that I learned after that is that sometimes you should not have that degree of emotional intimacy with your staff. Okay. Yeah. So, so getting too close to this. Well, I mean, I think that's probably hard, right? Because of the fact that you you do start forming a bond, like a family, like you were saying, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, the, the nicest kind of family, too. Mm-hmm. And and over the period of time, I think we had something like 18 students work for us. They all said to the co-op, to the college, they were like, these are the best employers I've ever worked for. Aww. We love Blair and Jean. Like, it was so incredibly validating as people who didn't know what the hell they were doing <laughs> Yeah, to, to get this feedback. But when it came down to it and we had to start making business-oriented decisions, mm. it became very stressful for us because I always wanted to maintain transparency. I had one employee who, you know, pretty much I have stayed in touch with nearly every single co-op student in some shape or form. Some I'm more close to others because they were with us for longer. One of them even helped us move last year. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I'm, I'm very much in touch with a handful of them. And when we kept on for an extra year, and literally there was no money coming in, there was a dwindling pile of money. And every month I would just, I would find some way for us to make our rent. And then I would take what was left and I would say to this employee, I was like, okay, here's your check. I'm working on next month's. And he, Mm -hmm. and he would say, I know you're going to find it. You always do. And Mm -hmm. we went literally, he always got paid on time. 
But every single month I had to go and scratch up new money to find what I needed to be able to pay him. And and there was a a misunderstanding at the end, which is irrelevant, but Blair, Blair misunderstood something and then he raised his voice to him. And I think that really it broke the trust Mm. between him and us. And honestly, that still bothers me. It's been, gosh, it's been, I think, three years since that happened. It still deeply bothers me because I think at that time we were considered, we really were considered his family. Yeah. And, and he, so that, those are the things that break my heart. And because I was very much like Mama Jean. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and I think, I mean, I think that's a, good topic for another episode if we don't have this right but like how to deal with uh boundaries yeah boundaries and such well i mean we're going to kind of touch upon that but i think like how do you mend relationships how do you how do you because like i think that's a really hard thing i i I have this conversation with with people that i work with all the time about getting feedback and sometimes when um when you're stressed out right you say things that you may not mean to mm-hmm. say, um, and then it causes tension. How how do you handle that? So we can deal with that another. We're going to touch on some stressful things, I think, in this episode, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> but I think I think about the you know the situation that you just said about where you know things may have been said that wasn't meant to be said, and then what do you do? How do you move that relationship forward? Right. So we, yeah. we can talk about that and, and yeah. also feedback, right? I think we have to have an episode about how do you get constructive feedback? How do you receive feedback from people as well? Because you're going to yeah. get feedback, right? So we're going to get feedback. We're going to get feedback as leaders, as, you know, employees, a lot of, a lot of what I think is the personal growth that I've had over the last seven years comes from all the times where I made a mistake as a, as a leader mm-hmm. where I didn't know to do things or I didn't know to assert my boundaries where I let people walk all over me. That's, that's the piece where you don't, when you forget to negotiate, when you forget that you're running a business, you forget to negotiate boundaries and expectations. Sure. Right. Because you fall into family people pleasing behaviors. So that's the toxic piece of it. Mm. And we had an employee that started with us in our very first, if you want to call it semester that we were open. So January 2015, our first co-ops came on board. And this was a, uh, a young woman that we had brought on and she had previously met Blair and she, she came on board. Uh, and then she decided she didn't want to, to go to college anymore. So she quit and she said, Hey, can I stay and work for you guys for free? I guess she, her family was taking care of her financially. So she was like, can I just come and hang out and make games with you guys? And, hmm. you know, I, I found her agreeable. She wasn't the best programmer in the world. In fact, she was, I think the weakest of the bunch, but what we tried to do was to find what worked for her. Cause I'm one of those people. It's like, that isn't working. What can we make work? Sure. And we, we started moving her towards project management and doing other things. So we were, I don't know. I don't know what the hell we were doing. Cause we didn't know how to be producers, but <laughs> she seemed to have very much natural producer project management aptitude. Okay. And she was succeeding at that. But, um, I didn't realize that she had become fixated on Blair and Mm. my office was separated from, from where the programmers were. 
And this person was the person that drove us home at night. So Blair and I, we would be staying at work late just because we were, you know, that's how we were driven. And, and she would be like, Oh, I'll stay work late too. And, and then it became this whole thing where the three of us were spending so much time together and it became a toxic relationship between the three of us in that um, the things that I was saying to her, you know, I'm, I'm an idiot. I, I take people at face value. I might've said some things about Blair and she would use those. And she, she actively worked at driving a wedge between Blair and I for mm. six months to the point where listeners, you're going to fall off your chairs um, where Blair and she had an intimate relationship and, mm. and I found out about it. And of course I was devastated. I mean, we had been together for 17 years yeah. and what I realized in all of this were a couple of things. One of which, you know, we don't often talk about this because people feel such deep shame around infidelity. I don't blame Blair and I actually don't even blame her. I understood as a mature adult that because of the conversations that I've had with her and like during and after that she didn't have a lot of nice guys in her life. And Blair's one of those oblivious, I guess if you want to call it like oblivious doofus, like he's just a really nice guy. And, and he didn't notice all of the, the grooming behavior that was happening on her part. And, and so that was a little bit weird. And so I was so nervous about even sharing this with you, Roger, and with everybody that's listening, but I've been talking about it more in my keynotes behind closed doors because people are going to say, well, he was her boss. And, and what about those dynamics? It's like mm -hmm. the three of us were peers and, and that's how we treated each other. And this was a concerted effort to split up a 17 year marriage Um is he at fault as well? Well, let's not. Yeah, absolutely. There were mistakes oh. made. But is that a reason to blame people or get angry? These things happen in tight knit environments where people spend a lot of time. It happens in startups a lot. Huh. People and it's not just because husband and wife are working together. No, no. When you have people in a powder keg environment, and they're so intensely working on it, they kind of get in their own brain space. And then they feel like the only people that they can talk to are the people that they're involved with because yeah. there's that intellectual intimacy. And yeah. then it, that can sometimes turn into physical intimacy and emotional intimacy. And I recognized as a mature adult, as I say again, that those elements were present. And, and I just said, you know, okay, we're going to put a stop to it. Y'all don't need the details. You need to buy the book one day. <laughs> There was a, a delicious sense of satisfaction on my part when um, when I did do a thorough review of her work to find that the several months that she had not been delivering. So this is me trusting people that they're doing the work um, that I saw that the work had not been done. It was spectacularly not done. Oh. And um, and then I just asked them, I asked them to leave. So they left and they left without any equity in the company. And we didn't hear from them for two years. And we all, we sort of went on our ways. And I thought, oh my gosh, what if that gets out? You know, yeah. how are people going to look at us? And I think bottom line, sometimes unpleasant things happen to people where they make mistakes 
it doesn't necessarily mean that that's their behavior for life. It just means that in that moment, they were feeling vulnerable and they they needed to be validated and they got that validation somewhere. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you... Do you think it's... Do you think... How do I want to say this? Do you think that if it wasn't such a thing that you were tied into trying to make this project work or that, you know, your, your company, right. Because you put so much effort into that, that you may have lost sight of everything else too. I mean, I'm just, I'm just asking, do you think that's, yeah. you yeah. know, a hundred percent. So I look at it as a little bit of her, a little bit of Blair and even though uh, I wasn't involved in that, but there is a part of me that realized I was not, I was, I had stopped paying attention to Blair's emotional state as mm. his wife. That is not my job, but that's, that's something that we've agreed upon. That's, that's an expectation of a healthy relationship that we will communicate and we will talk to each other and that we will work at being in tune with each other. And I, I let my obsession with being the hustler kind of overshadow everything else. And I had forgotten that here was this man that I deeply love. And all I could think was, I got to get this business off the ground. I got to find us some, some serious investors. I was so focused on one more story games that I lost sight of the, the biggest gift of all, which is the lifelong partnership that I have with Blair. And I'll say it's been this December will be five years since it all came to light and the ugly things happened. And it took me quite a while. I'm one of those people that bounces back really quickly because I just, I don't have time to wallow in things. Um, I did a lot of research around relationships and infidelity. So listeners, if this has happened to you, I want to know, I want you to know a couple of things and you're like, wow, why is she talking about this and this, you know, uh, founding team members. If you're going to go into business with your partner, let's be real. Nine out of 10 businesses fail five out of 10 relationships or marriages fail. Your odds are not great, but here's what helps. Having patience, understanding, and a clear line of communication. The moment that we could move her out of the way for us to actually have conversation face-to-face -face is when we realized we were both being played against each other. Mm -hmm. And I also want to encourage people that if you are in a triad of hacker, hipster, hustler, chances are, whether you like it or not, there is going to be some kind of un imbalance, imbalance, imbalance of that pyramid. Mm. And, you know, when you hear about these, oh, um, so-and-so cheated on, on their husband with their best friend or whatever it is, it's like, hmm, why is that? It's because of that triangle of emotional intimacy. So, be aware of those things. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Like we're, we're literally human. We are craving emotional support, emotional contact and emotional intimacy and do your best. If you are in those kinds of high stress situations to recognize that about yourself mm -hmm. and to do the emotional work to say, Hey, what is emotionally missing from my life right now? Is it validation? Is it physical touch? Is it a relationship with somebody where I feel that I feel loved and wanted and then find that outside the freaking office. Okay. People. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And and I I should clarify because I said you and I didn't mean you specifically, Gene. I meant <laughs> you know what I mean. Like after I said that, I realized I I didn't it like I it sounded like I was and it, and I hope you didn't take this. I don't think you did, but I, I'm a. I hope listeners don't take this it's, way. I'm it's wasn't, awkward. I know. It is just... awkward. I know. I, but I, I wasn't blaming you, right? I wasn't no. saying, well, do you think this was your, right? Well, I guess what my point was that, do you think that also Blair lost the, because you guys were working so deep in the company, that he lost track of who you were as well as his partner, uh, his life partner? You know what I mean? Does that I make think sense? That's, a, that's a really interesting point. I remember when I first started doing coach training, and one of the people that I met just prior to it, who was also a coach, she said, you are going to change who you are when you undertake this coaching, mm. because the way that you relate to the world is going to shift. The way that you speak to people, the way that you have relationships and conversations with people is going to shift. You're going to be able to go to a deeper place, and things are going to feel unfamiliar. And I think when I dove into OMSG and I took on this, I am the hustler yeah. and, and I was so driven by that. Listen, I have never once in my life prior to this company ever described myself as a driven person. <laughs> this, this activated the drive in me. You know, I'm like, I was the easy go lucky person. Sure, I did a half marathon, but I half assed it. You know, sure, I did cake decorating <laughs> classes, but only for fun. Like, I'm not yeah. a driven person. I'm not driven by any anybody else's measure of success. But I really wanted this for us. Yeah. But I think... I think there was a small part of me, to be honest, that really wanted it for me. And I had let go of the sight that this was an us thing. And, you know, I just, and I also trusted, I trusted that this person that was working with us was our trusted third person. They were our, you know, if, if we took off, she was coming with us. She went on trips with us. Mm. Um, I really trusted her. I, and it, that, that betrayal was really hard to take. So we've, we've experienced professional betrayal a number of times as a, as a studio. And each time is a reinforcement to check for red flags, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yeah. And at the same time, I haven't stopped trusting people. Mm. I just don't trust as quickly and easily. So each one is, sort of like sandpaper, a little bit gritty, and just wears you down a little bit. But it's, it does, it changes who you are and how you see the world. But mm -hmm. I don't want to change my heart. Hmm. Well, you're a better person than me, I'll tell you that. <laughs> well, you know, I had nasty thoughts, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I had nasty thoughts about things that I wanted to do. And then, you know, I don't know if anybody on my Facebook list, thanks for accepting my Facebook friend request, Roger. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. But <laughs> <friends>. I don't think <laughs> we're finally friends after, I don't know, two years. Yeah. Um, There are very few people in my Facebook circle, which are my like, dig a ditch and would kill people for. Mm -hmm. There are so many people that don't even know that this happened in our relationship. Yeah. So if they even listen to the podcast, they might be holy shikies. Yeah. <laughs> they might say, Oh my God, I did not know that this happened. And there have been moments where we've shared it with certain people because I had a friend disclose that um, their 20 year relationship, that there was infidelity there. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and I said, Hey, this happened to us three years ago. It's survivable. Mm. 
And in fact, the statistics show that 50% of relationships that experience infidelity stay together. It's not a death knell. Again, it comes down to that communication and intention. And it's not like he's a perv. He's absolutely not a perv. No one in their right mind who knows us would even think that about him. It's it's the circumstances and it's the people and it is what it is. Um, But I think people are going to be shocked because I didn't, I didn't, put my drama on Facebook, you know, I don't, that's the one thing that drives me bat bonkers. Um, Notice I'm avoiding the word shit. Um, What drives me me bat shit is that people in the game space, like, oh, I broke up with my boyfriend. My boyfriend's a total jerk face. And it's like, I I don't want to hear about your drama. Just Mm. take it offline. Take it offline. I think I, I posted some inspirational quotes about trust and and deepening friendships, and that was about it. So for a couple of weeks, I posted some things. It wasn't passive. Well, maybe it was a little slightly passive aggressive, but it wasn't mean. I didn't go set a bag of shit on her porch and light it on fire. I thought about it. But at the end of the day, you know what? At the end of the day, she didn't even matter. I just wanted to get back to my business that I had grown so madly passionately in love with. And since then, since then, I have grown even more deeply in love with Blair and he with me. And I think that's something that I wouldn't wish that experience on anyone. And there's so much more to it by the book. Um, There's so much more to it. And... I don't know if I would change anything if if, Mm. as weird as that sounds is we're really in a great, amazing place now. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's, it is what it is. Like you said, so it is what it is. Well, let's, so since we're kind (laughs) of, I don't know. I, I have other How do you questions. segue out of that? Yeah, I know. So I was wondering. I, so I have other questions that I had next, but I think it makes more sense for me to jump down to that red flags. Yes. Right? So I was thinking that very that? thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what um, are some red flags? You, you know what? That's that's a fantastic time to talk about the red flags because we can we can ask those other questions later or in another episode because I think yeah. talking about the people thing that's so important people culture people experience so red flags. Oh my gosh. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, I think we briefly touched on this last time. You need to be familiar with narcissist behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I'm not talking about your um, DSM five uh, classical narcissist clinical clinical diagnosis of being a narcissist. No, what I'm talking about are particular behaviors of people who are extremely flattering. Oh my gosh, I have been suckered in by flatterers on more than one occasion. So she was a flatterer. Uh, I got suckered in by a consultant who will talk about her in another episode. But that's the one that blackmailed us. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm not going to name her. (laughs) I'm not going to name her because I understand libel laws, but I have proof of everything. I keep all the emails I have receipts. But you know, flattery is one of the biggest things, right? It's this idea that somebody is their, their understanding that 
at a human emotional level, what we really love and crave is acknowledgement. Mm. Oh, doesn't it feel nice to be acknowledged, Roger? It, it does. But I think I know what you're saying here. Uh, right? To be acknowledged for... Because I've seen this before. My, I've seen this actually before. Now that you say this, when you don't feel like they know who you are, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Or somebody said something very powerful to me in the first year that we were doing this. Because where we were doing this in in Barrie, Ontario, it's not like there were other game studios. We were doing new and exciting things at the time. We still are, but I don't think anybody cares. That's fine. And she said to me this really amazing thing, which is, I want you to pay attention to who's your friend now and who wants to become your friend as you get more well-known. Right. So that's where the flatterers come in and you want to believe that you're doing, can can I ask you, she said that to you, this person? No, no, this, this is another person. This is a a friend. This is a friend. I know I'm trying to avoid using names, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a friend and, and she was saying, I want you to be aware that there will be false people who come along and who tell you that you're great. And listen, Gene, you are great. The work mm-hmm. that you're doing is great, yada, yada. You need to believe it so that you don't crave the validation for other people. And I think that's a big piece of it yeah. is it sure feels nice when somebody comes up to you and goes, oh, my God, you're so amazing. If you ever were to hear me in private conversations with people, I'm deeply uncomfortable by um, uh, hero worship. Like, I don't know. I, I guess there are people that really like who I am, which is cool. Yeah. I'm a person who has done a thing for a certain period of time and I enjoy it. Um, okay. Yeah. But that whole pedestal thing. And back in 2017, when, when, um, well, I guess in 2015, when, when person number one, <laughs> when person number one came along, that was very much, Oh my God, you guys are amazing. I want to come and work for you and you're the best bosses ever. And well, I mean, we were pretty damn cool, but it was just over the top all the time. <laughs> well, you know, it's just, I wanted to believe that what she was saying is true and, and I don't think her saying it made it any less true, but yeah. you have to watch for the impact that it has on you. Yeah. Is it your ego that is being fed? The ego feeders will get you every single time. Because hmm. what they're looking to do is they're looking to disarm you. Hmm. Can you think about a time in your life where somebody stroked your ego and then stabbed you in the back? I mean, I'm sure that's happened. I just can't, I can't think of, oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was more relationship, right? Where somebody used me to get to another person, right? Yeah. Uh, And made, put me on this pedestal. Oh, you're so wonderful. You're so great. And blah, blah, blah. And then used it to get closer to other people. Um, you know, and and I don't want to be a hypocrite. I have likely done that a number of times. And I think it isn't until you arrive at a place of awareness that, oh my God, I, I did that. Mm. And ooh, that feels gross. I don't want other people to feel that. 
And, and I'm, I'm embarrassed. Like when I, when I go back and I think about my behavior when I first came into the games industry, I would look at people and I'd be like, Ooh, I really want to get close to them. And not because I wanted to get close to them for other, um, to get close to other, other people, but it was just like, it would make me feel really special if they were my friend. Yeah. And And I think that happens to a lot of people, right? I mean, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, watching out for that, what we call the narcissist love bombs. I think the other thing is that you as your newfound leadership, and maybe we should have a whole talk on like leading and, and the mistakes yes. that you make as a leader. Maybe we yes. can even get some uh, Twitter insights. Maybe we'll do a, a hashtag, you know, leadership fails in game dev and just ask some people and what are some of the spectacular failures that you had. We yeah. hired people. We hired interns that we thought, oh, hey, we're, we're doing a good job. We'll hire people with no real skills and we'll train them. Some of them really didn't work out. And we, we could have cut the cord a lot sooner and we didn't because we just have this lovely optimism and belief yeah. in the best yeah. of everyone. I don't ever want to lose that. But yeah. you also need to be able to enforce boundaries and. Mm-hmm. When you don't enforce boundaries, people will push them. So that's another red flag that you need to look out for is how are people pushing your boundaries? Because Mm. it's little by little, inch by inch, that people will push their boundaries. I I hired a consultant who didn't deliver. And I just heard excuse after excuse after excuse, actually two consultants. and, And I just made up excuses in my head as to why it must be true. And therefore, I must be a bad boss because I wasn't doing my job as a boss. When in fact, I think any external person who would to view the situation, they would say, hey, Gene, you totally got suckered. And mm. and I just didn't want to admit to that. Yeah. 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 No, that, and I do think that we should have an episode about, uh, like you said, leadership fails, but also like how to overcome some of those situations too, right? And like, we 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 said this before, but how how to have those critical conversations when you need mm-hmm. to have them? When you mm-hmm. see people pushing those boundaries, right? Or you see people that are not pulling their weight, um, or you see people that are, um, you know, just just not not a team member, right? Like, how yeah. do you get them back on without making them with 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 validating who they are as a person? And it's about right, so we can talk about this, but but separating the the person from the actual work, right? And how do you? Yeah, and I mean, I when we're when we're talking about person number one, we're talking about the the woman that had the relationship with Blair, um, Mm -hmm. and you know, separating that, separating the the relationship stuff, and we could see early on that programming was not her forte, and we moved her into project management. She seemed to really thrive at that. I'm always looking for how do we make the best out of a shitty situation, right. and and it wasn't until after everything came to light that I started going, what else should I not be trusting about this person? What other mm-hmm. things have I been misled about? And that's, that's what led me to look a little bit deeper into her, her work performance. And I realized, holy shit, we had given her such deep trust of our company. She knew intimate details of the company and the inner workings going on. And she was um, working with one of our authors that we were adapting his short story into a game. It was a disaster. It cost us four months 
Uh, we had to completely redo his game before we could put, put it out, which cost us time and launch and, and, uh, visibility. Like it all, everything went off the rails on that one thing because we trusted too much without building in the mechanisms of objectives and goals. So if you have your hacker, hustler and hipster, that's great. Here's what I really want you to remember people get contracts. Do you Mm -hmm. hear me loud and clear? Get contracts. Every person that you bring on should have a contractual agreement with you. Have it on paper. You're like, but I don't have a contract. You can Google contract templates, game devs. There are game dev resources. Uh, if I remember <laughs> ADHD, um, if I remember, I will see if I can't add some resources into the resource area, but contracts are your friends. And, and I'm sorry if this sounds harsh, but a lot of founding teams don't make it. M- many do. Well, some do, but many don't. And then there's this bitterness. So if you can establish expectations and deliverables for everyone so that you're all on the same page. Now we've already gone, like we're 45 minutes past our, our episode. And, and this is all that we've talked about. There's so much more to talk about. Yeah. And, and so I think it's worth carrying over the bulk of the things that we wanted to talk about, you know, questions that you had for me, how do you handle people that want to join the team, but are asking like for a big salary and no one's getting paid that happened. I want to talk about that in much more detail because that is the reality for a lot of startups, especially coming out of college or making games on the side. Let's park that one. Let's have that larger conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think there's, uh, there's there's some other questions. I mean, I'll I'm not going to ask them in this episode. I just want to preview them preview them for mm-hmm. next episode. Um but things like what what kind of questions should you ask people when they join your team, right? Mm-hmm. Um so some of the things that you mentioned here of, of things of, you know, listen for that that narcissistic kind of uh attitude right the, the to to bring your bring you up to to kind of you know play you i'm not I'm not trying to sound mean but that's really what these people do right i mean yeah yeah, yeah. so You're a sucker but, yeah <laughs> but i mean how do you how do you see through that what kind of questions can you ask so that way you can see through those kind of things right so that's those are the things i think in the next episode we'll kind of dig deeper into what we discussed here, here's some red flags, here's some things you should worry about, here's some things you should think about, right? Mm-hmm. Here's some reality of what that's going to be, what what could happen, right? You start a project, this is the reality of things. The and next step is... I, I am going to point to this episode and next episode to say to people, if you spend the two hours to listen to these episodes, I promise you that I will save you thousands and thousands of dollars and a whole lot of freaking heartache because yeah. guaranteed you are going to come across this in some form, whether yeah. it's somebody that comes to you on your team or a consultant that you hire, somebody is going to break your heart personally and professionally. And if you understand what the red flags are and what to listen for, what to look for and how to overcome it, how to deal with it, you know, as a private coach, I've been helping some husband and wife teams with their, their companies. And I'm like, listen, 
I'm going to bare my soul here so that you understand here are the danger zones. Like we're very fortunate in that we were able to emotionally recover. And, um, but it really, it threw us for a loop and I had to stay graceful and calm and deal with it and, and not lose my shit in front of the whole wide world and just, and just go on. And after a period of time, it's just something that happened in the past and, and you can, and you can move past it. Um, but yeah, let's, let's spend some time talking about how do you get through that? Because this, whether your studio is together for six months for a project and you never see each other, uh, each other again, or you go on and you end up working together for five, 10, 15 years, you listen to those, um, audio books of game development studios they're keeping the high level stuff, right? They're not talking about all of the drama that goes on. But I remember the moment a couple days after I found out what was really happening. And I was I was gutted. I was gutted. And I was trying to figure out like, how do I gain my how do I recalibrate? How do I equalize my balance here? And I confided in a friend who is also a co founder of Zynga. Mm. And he said to me, this is pretty common. Mm. We just don't talk about it. And that was enough to give me perspective to not lose my mind and realize that humans are humans and humans make mistakes and humans don't need to be completely like tossed to the curb. And as an addendum, Roger, I don't know if I told you this before. Um, two years, two years later, I got a, a drunk email at like three in the morning from person one. Where's my IOU? I, I hear you have money. So I ignored it. I, I don't respond to drunk emails. And oh, yeah, I did actually also honor my IOU. Like there is an outstanding IOU with this person. If we ever make it rich, she'll be the last person that gets paid. <laughs> <laughs> but person number one will be paid. And yeah. and then, you know, two months later, there's another drunk email. Like, where's my money? And so I just emailed her and I said, hey, I hope you're doing Okay. I'm open to having a conversation with you so that you understand where our company's at and where we're going. I have every intention of paying you your IOU. Now I've Mm. told this story to a few people before and they're like, Jean, that's insane. I'm like, that's me. I don't wish her ill. Um, We actually ended up having a two hour sit down. There's a two page email from her where she deeply apologized for what she did to me. Cause out of all the people involved, I was the one that got hurt the most and and she copped to her part in it and and all of that. And I sat down with her and it's like I we don't have to hate each other. We're never going to be friends. What we had is long gone and it's really your loss cuz I'm freaking amazing. But I don't want to hate you cuz wa- hate is a waste of my time. I have a business to run and a dream to pursue and and happiness to embrace. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, it's a heavy. This is a heavy episode. So it is a heavy episode, but I'm hopeful that listeners can hear in my voice that it's also a lot of lightness in it too. Mm. Like this isn't the thing that has to define who you are, who your studio is. I worried for a long time that it would get out and it would damage Blair's reputation. Listen, Blair's not proud of his involvement in in the whole experience. Um, 
And I think, of course, he's embarrassed that that happened, that he felt that way and that he stepped out of our relationship. And at the same time, it happens. It happens far more often. And it's okay to forgive people for making mistakes. Yeah. And we can, I think we can talk more about, you know, how, how to set, like you said, setting those boundaries, right? And how yeah. do you enforce those boundaries? And the other thing that I think also, I mean, when, when you were talking about contracts, how do you navigate that when they are your friends, right? Yeah. So we can talk about that too. Because yeah. I think that can be hurt feelings sometimes, right? Oh, for um, sure. For sure. But, I, yeah. It happens. It happens. Like yeah. when, when our employee, the one that we kept on and, and I struggled every month to find his rent, um, when he just basically blanked us out of his life, his life, our life, um, I was deeply hurt, but I still made sure that the shares were issued to him because that's what we agreed to. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you have to make a decision. Where is your integrity going to be in all of this? And if you don't really care about your integrity, that's fine, but make it clear to other people. And by the way, people will always find out where you stand. Like your integrity will always come through and everything. Um, and, and we can talk about like n- patterns of behavior. That's what we should put on for the next show is patterns yeah. of behavior, because I think those are a stronger indicator of who people are sure. than intense periods of times where people do stupid things. That makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get into that. We'll talk more about that next episode. Yes. Um, Thank you all for listening to that very heavy episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Roger, uh, should yeah. we close with some gratitude? Yeah, so it's going to suggest <laughs> So, uh, so I'll I'll start if that's okay, because yeah, um, I I uh, I I have some fun things to share. I don't know. I so <gasps> I think. So one thing, one thing, I mean, I've mentioned this before, but, uh, you know, I work in an environment where I feel valued, right? And I don't know, it's weird. It's weird when you, uh, when you have that. And I just, I don't know, just every day I go into work, I, I mean, from home (laughs) (laughs) you go into your office right now yeah right now uh and i'm just really grateful and thankful for the opportunities that i have to grow as a person um and and but they also ask me for my expertise too and Mm -hmm. that is really rare and and i was talking to one of our senior leaders about that and you know they mentioned how that is like the the area that you right that's like that's that's like the perfect the perfect area to be in is when you feel valued and that you have expertise and you can bring that but then also that you have area of growth that you can also look at other people and say i can grow as well right oh so, i love that so much yeah so i'm just really in a really happy spot um and just the people i work with are super awesome and i just i have fun at work I don't know. It's weird. Like we work hard. Don't get me wrong, but I have fun too. So it it's it's a great time. So I'm I'm wondering if your coworkers are still listening to the podcast because I know they listened to them. episode one. And, yeah. Um, but you know, and I and I love hearing about how much you deeply appreciate feeling heard, understood, and acknowledged, and and that valued piece. And that's 
you know, I love the one-on-one work, the one-on-one coaching, the work that I'm doing and the career coaching and the life coaching and the biz dev coaching. It, it's really fantastic because I'm getting to witness that transformation in people. But there is also a deep part of me that also would really love to be part of an organization that gives that to me instead of it always being like me giving it to people, which I love, but it would really be nice to be on the receiving end. Sure. I am grateful for, I am grateful for new understandings Mm of myself and breaking away from some of the, some of the internal thoughts that don't really serve me anymore. Mm. Right. Breaking, breaking those recordings in my head that are detrimental to my happiness and to my, my optimism. Um, And I'm also really grateful for having a full pantry and like, I'm, I'm, I'm a nester and mm. to be able to have a full pantry to me is a sign of optimism that there's something to look forward to. There's, there's comfort and there's joy and my home feels, it feels like a nice little nest. And I think that's what I really need lately. Yeah. Cause I think with COVID it's, it's been a hard year. We're, we're six months <sighs> into COVID. Yeah. Six months. Yeah. And now we've sort of, I think, well, some of us have just accepted it. Um, but what I needed was to get to a place of, okay, I can nest. I'm safe. Yep. That's it in a nutshell. I'm grateful that I feel safe. Nice. Yeah. So, Gene, how can people reach out to you? You can find us on g3realtalk.com. That's where we're going to be posting the episodes. We aim for two episodes a month. There are worksheets. This week's or this episode's worksheet is going to ask you questions about when have you noticed times that you have ignored those red flags, that little voice inside of your head, that pit in your stomach, and, and asking some other deep questions about what are your deficiencies so that you can build your great team? So that's g3realtalk.com. If you are interested in having a deeper insight into your career or your life or your biz dev as a game dev, you can find me at geneleggett.com. And it would be my delight and pleasure to share that with you because it truly is something that I love doing. You can find me on Twitter. I'm way on Twitter too much, which is at geneleggett. And Roger... <laughs> Thank you so much for just being flipping awesome every single episode. Oh, well, thanks, Gene. I, I like we've said this before, but I enjoy our chat. And, uh, you know, I, I know that this was probably some hard conversations to have. So I appreciate the fact that you were willing to have this conversation. So thank you. Thank you for holding the space. And yeah, I mean, once this episode goes live, I mean, it's out there. It's out yeah. there. I have never allowed those keynotes where I talk about the infidelity to be posted online because it's only ever been shared behind closed doors. So this is me trusting all of you to hold the space for me and to be kind and respectful to other people who have gone through difficult things and just know that, um, that there's always a way with kindness and love and grace for others. Thanks for awesome. listening. Bye. Bye.